Today, you have a chance to become a premium member of the podcast. Click one of the premium membership levels and you can get everything from a free book by an ag arts artist to free postcards to extra bonus interviews to the chance to have a piece of writing critiqued by me and a free workshop or reading by Mary Swander. So go to those show notes, scroll down, and click to become a premium member. Thank you so much for your support. It's Egg Arts from Horse and Buggy Land, and today we're talking Amish folk remedies, specifically the B&W protocol. Of course, you want to use remedies for minor ailments and seek standard treatment for anything more serious. But once I burned my hand in a kitchen grease fire, I went to the emergency room, waited for an hour, and then was sent home with some ointment and a gauze bandage. The pain was intense, the wound healing slowly. I wandered down the road into the Amish general store. There on the rack, next to the vitamin C bottles and the mantles for kerosene lamps, you could find small jars of B&W burn and wound salve, a thick, rich blend of honey, vitamin E, wheat germ, aloe vera, and other herbs. Next to the salve was a pamphlet, The Care of Burns, written by and for the Amish. Inside, large color photographs illustrated the necessary steps of care, from submerging the burn in lukewarm water to finally wrapping it in gauze. Let's see that hand, Ada, my Amish neighbor, said to me at the Christmas program in the one-room schoolhouse. I held my hand to the light near a window, and she shook her head. Have you been using the B&W? I nodded. And the burdock leaf? I shook my head. No. Once you put on the B&W salve, you are to cover the burn with a burdock leaf, then wrap the whole area in gauze. But where was I to get a burdock leaf in the middle of the winter? Oh, they have them at the store, dried. Another trip to the Amish General Store and a word to the clerk found a Tupperware box full of dried burdock leaves behind the counter. I soaked the leaf in water to rehydrate it, then wrapped my burn. While my hand was bandaged, I heard all sorts of other B&W stories. First, there was Henry Chupp, who burned the bottom of his foot, couldn't walk, was in horrible pain, just hobbling around on crutches, until he got to the store, bought the salve, rubbed it in, and lickety-split. He was walking again, just like that. Well... Probably not that fast, my neighbor Malin said. It will help you heal, but not that fast. Malin's 14-year-old son got his overalls caught in an auger when he was working alone at another neighbor's farm. It ripped off all of his clothes, and he drove the tractor home, teeth chattering, his body badly burned from the force. At the emergency room, the doctors wanted to admit him to the burn unit, but his mother said no, they would treat him at home. Can you change these dressings every 12 hours, the nurse asked. 
Yes, I can do that, his mother said, but the nurse looked skeptical. Once home, off came the hospital dressings and on went the B&W salve. It wasn't easy, but Malin's son made a recovery without noticeable scars, climbing back on the tractor by the end of harvest time. I don't know if my hand would have healed as quickly on its own, but in the end, I had no infection and no scars, and for that, I was grateful. And now, just in case I have another burn, on the second shelf of the medicine cabinet, I keep a jar of B&W and a dried burdock leaf. Some Amish remedies, like the burn protocol, are relatively new. Others are passed down through the generations, brought from Europe and used by communities for minor medical problems. We English are so used to pills, surgeries, and accessible MDs in hospitals that sometimes I have to remind myself that my own Irish grandmother was full of these treatments. Most civilizations relied upon folk remedies for centuries. For serious conditions, the Amish will, of course, despite the cost, seek standard medical attention. And some of those very doctors and hospitals in Ohio, in turn, have adopted the Amish B&W protocol. On a cold winter morning, a couple of months after I'd burned my hand, the phone rang. My brother's been in an explosion. Can you come? It was one of my Amish neighbor girls calling me at 7 a.m. from their phone shanty, a tiny shack in the middle of a cornfield used by five or six neighboring Amish families, a small solar panel fixed to the roof. I jumped in my car, dashed down the gravel road, and around the corner to the Yutzies. Aaron lay on the couch in the living room all the shades drawn. His mother bent over him with a plastic bag full of snow. Carefully, gently, Ada Yutzi molded the snow to her son's raw face. His three sisters filled more bags outside, running fresh cold snow into the house to his bedside. When one bag melted, another was there, ready to be applied. In the early morning darkness, Aaron had made his way, lantern in hand, to the garage where a faulty propane heater awaited him. He stepped into the building and the whole garage ignited and blew. 
Aaron pitched into the air and out onto the lawn 20 feet away. The garage came down around him in piles of two-by-fours, pieces of sheared siding, shingles, and broken window panes. The first responders clanged into the lane, the fire chief assessing Aaron's burns that had spread across his face. Aaron's eyelashes and eyebrows were singed off, but his nose hairs were still intact, indicating that the burns hadn't reached his lungs. The fire chief wanted to call an ambulance, but the Yutzis thought they could handle the injury themselves. Come on now, I said when I arrived. I'll take you to the hospital. The Yutzis shook their heads. They had things under control. They were working on cooling down the burn. Ada and her three daughters kept the bags of snow moving. I knew what the Yutzis were thinking. The Amish have no health insurance and a trip to the emergency room with a possible stay in the university hospital burn unit could cost them thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars. They were also visualizing infections, IVs, and one skin graft after another. I knew the Yutzis were applying the B&W protocol, the treatment invented by divine inspiration in Ohio, the treatment I had used when I'd burned my hand on the kitchen grease fire. But Aaron's situation was much more serious than mine had been. Are you breathing okay, Aaron? I asked. Just fine. Are you in pain? No pain. I'm happy to take you to the hospital. Ada turned to me. We want you to go get the burn nurse. Oh, good, I thought. There's an RN out here who can help. But when I asked for directions, I found myself on the way to the Amish feed store where the owner's teenage daughter appeared dressed in black bonnet and shawl with a bag of supplies dangling from her arm. I'm not really a nurse, the girl said, stepping into my car. They just call me that because I've been to Ohio and trained in the burn protocol. We sped back to the Yutzies, where Aaron's face had now reached the perfect temperature. Out of the girl's bag came a large jar of B&W ointment. With a tongue depressor, the girl stirred the contents, dozens of herbs all suspended in beeswax. The girl spread the salve over Aaron's face, applying the thick goo. Next, several large burdock leaves spilled out of her bag, and she pressed them into the ointment. Finally, the girl wrapped Aaron's whole face with gauze leaving slits for his eyes, nostril, and mouth. Are you breathing okay, Aaron, I asked. Breathing just fine. In pain? No pain. Cooling the burn had helped with the pain. The B&W herbs had more pain-killing, soothing, and healing properties. The burdock leaf, too, was healing for wounds. More importantly, the leaf kept the gauze from sticking to the wound and pulling off the scab, opening it to infection. Well, if anything happens, don't hesitate to ask me for help, I said, and scooted back home. The next day, I checked in at the Yutzies, and the burn nurse was still there, changing the bandages, reapplying the B&W salve, the burdock leaves, and the gauze on his face every 12 hours. After a week, the blisters had started to heal. After a month, the blisters were gone, and not a scar or a trace of a burn could be found anywhere 
on Aaron's face. From the Burn Aid Booklet, Safety Precautions. Don't ever set hot water or any hot liquid on the floor for any reason whatsoever. Don't leave the handles of pots and pans stick out over the edge of the stove. Don't handle hot pots and pans with an apron that you are wearing. Don't carry hot water in a kettle holding it in front of you. Carry it in a pail at your side. Don't pour kerosene, gas, or anything flammable into any stove. Don't fill lights, lamps, etc. more than three-fourths full. Cold fuel expands when brought into room temperature and can explode. In a recent issue of Plain Interest, the Amish newspaper, I find an insert on treating burns. The editor suggests cutting the insert out of the paper and keeping it in your medicine cabinet. In very clear prose, the insert outlines the characteristics of first, second, and third degree burns. It teaches you how to recognize shock and everything from how to put out the flame to when to rush the victim to the hospital. For putting out the flame, A, first choice, water or milk, B, Smother with blankets, carpets, or flour. C. Stop, drop, and roll. In the grass is a good choice. Use puddles of water if nothing else is available. The insert discusses the difference between chemical burns, road burns, do not manually remove foreign material by scrubbing, hot tar burns, sunburns, smoke and flame scorched lungs, preparing the B&W ointment, preparing the leaves, securing the gauze, and finally, how to remove the bandage and clean the wound without creating an infection. For the price of the postage and a self-addressed stamped envelope, the editor offers to send you a copy of the article. Then you won't have to cut up your plain interest paper. Browsing through the issue a little more, I find an article written by a mother in Missouri whose seven-year-old son came walking through the door at five in the evening, moaning and crying softly, with holes burned through his pants. The family jumped into gear, applying the burn protocol. Soon, it became a community project. With the arrival of neighbors and friends, and those with more expertise, to help with the healing. The boy and his family 
went through a lot. But at five weeks, an experienced RN examined the boy's burns and advised the family to just keep on doing what they were doing. In the conventional medical world, the nurse explained, such burns wouldn't have even begun to heal. capitalistic mind, the Amish editor of Plain Interests is doing a strange thing. The editor is turning away ads. He had promised his readers that advertising wouldn't take over the publication, and he would concentrate on content. But the editor has now found himself low on cash, so he's trying to make up the difference by increased circulation urging people to give gift subscriptions to the paper. I turn the page and come upon the emergency please help column that prints answers to questions asked in previous issues. Answer. Dairy allergy is the top reason for bedwetting. Also consider there are stresses, insecurities, or relationships or financial problems that could be improved. Trauma in children causes bedwetting. Could stressors also do that in adults? Answer. We have some carbon paper in the attic and would be glad to share. Answer. For a good vegetable and fruit juicer, try a champion with an air motor. Answer. For soggy pie crusts, I have good luck using a beaten egg instead of milk. And for more answers than you can imagine, we are starting an Ask Ruby contest. For a small $10 donation, Ruby Yoder, our gross mommy in residence, will answer any questions you have about the Amish. I just happen to have Ruby here in the studio with me today to explain. Hello, Ruby. Oh, hello. Well, people are always curious about us. They have a thousand questions about how and why we live. Do we brush our teeth? Stupid questions like that. Goodness. Well, people admire the Amish, Ruby. You're living a life of sustainability. No gas-guzzling cars fewer farm chemicals, 
no telephone or internet, people try to imagine themselves living a simpler life. Oh, yes. Sometimes it isn't that simple. But these English like to ask questions. My, do they have questions over and over again. Well, of course I brush my teeth. So, I thought it would be fun for your podcast, whatever you call it, to have your listeners talk into their computers and ask questions like, do you ever use a computer? <laughs> Our listeners can go to agarts.org, make a donation, and enter the Ask Ruby contest. The deadline is April 1st, April Fool's Day. Ha <laughs> ha, that's funny. And the best question for the Ask Ruby, that's me, contest, will win $200 and a gift subscription to Plain Interest. Help keep that paper going. Oh, I see you're upping the prize money a bit. Good. You were a little cheap with that prize for the bad poetry contest. You work with what you have, Ruby. Folks, that's www.agarts.org. Ask your Amish question for Ruby right into SpeakPipe, slowly and distinctly. Make your donation and tell us you're entering the Ask Ruby contest. Let the questions pour in. Yes, let them rip. our episode to a close. We were produced today by Rick Brewer of Brew Ha Ha Audio Production. We also had support from the Warner Ellathorpe Fund at the Oregon Community Foundation and the Calio Levine Fund, who also helps with our Farm to Artist residencies. And we had support from the Iowa Arts Council. We welcome your support. Simply go to our website, agarts.org, A-G-A-R-T-S dot O-R-G, and hit that red donate button. Thank you for your help, and we'll see you next time. Ha ha.